This is New York State of Crime. A true crime podcast exploring New York's most disturbing criminal cases. I'm Peter. I'm Brenna. All right, thanks for listening. Welcome guys. back. Welcome back. We've really been rocking and rolling for a couple months now. Feels great. Yeah, we are... I wouldn't say taking the true crime podcast <laughs> world by storm. I would say that. Yeah. Fact. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> a teeny tiny, teeny little bit of it, mm-hmm. but we're doing it our way. And that is the important part. And if anyone follows us on Instagram, um, I have recently taken over our Instagram due to the fact that I slack off on every other aspect of this podcast right. because I have no technical abilities. And a podcast is basically all, all technical, technical ability. abilities. I'm really good at research. But anyway, That's so good. if you see some new posts up on the Instagram, say hello. It's me. It is Brenna now. It's it used to be me. in the thing. So good stuff. No more, like, solemn, scary guy behind the podcast Yeah, Instagram. so if you DM us, like, you don't have to be scared about Peter yelling at you. I mean, I wouldn't, but only, I mean, only if you're mean. Okay. So. I won't, even if you're mean. I will kill you with kindness. Wow. That's yeah. so, you're such a bigger person. Wow. Good. Their arms were cut off. Their, Their legs, legs were, were cut, cut off. off. Their ears were cut off. Their eyes were cut off. I, whew. Okay. So, so, I don't know what kind of New York-y updates we have. Oh, we do have updates since the last time we spoke with you. The mayoral election happened. Oh, no. <laughs> and I don't know about you all, but I was sick of hearing it about it by the end. But there was some uh, positive stuff. Progressive candidates did well in the Democratic primary. Uh, we still won't know the final results for... Uh, probably about a month, but they Andrew Yang did drop out, so that is our yes. goal reached, really. Yeah, fuck you, Andrew Yang. <laughs> um, Move to New Paltz, bitch. It, whew, <laughs> if anyone hasn't voted yet and we're still voting by absentee, remember to rank my Wiley first. She's cool because we don't need Eric Adams. Fuck Eric Adams. All of this is my personal opinion, but also I am right, and Peter will vouch to that. Brenna is right, and she is good at research and is smarter than I am. So you should listen to what she says. So that's what happened, and then in Buffalo, New York, what happened in Buffalo? A socialist party candidate, or I don't know if it's a socialist party, a socialist candidate, um, won their mayoral election, beating out a, a long-time incumbent who seemed to be pretty inefficient. Wait, um, wasn't that the first black mayor of Buffalo? I believe she is. Yeah, she's a black woman. So uh, that's definitely, if not breaking either a gender or a race glass ceiling, it's breaking the intersectional glass ceiling for sure. And Good it's job. definitely breaking the ideological glass ceiling. So that was uh, unexpected and great news. Yeah. So that's all I can think of. Um, oh, we also reached 70% vaccination for first dose for all adults in New York City. So they basically declared the Panini Press over. Yes, fuck <laughs> which, the Panini Press. You know, it's a complicated thing to do, but, you know, like life is living out there. People are living. There's concerts happening. There are people unmasked in the Target by our house. Yeah. It's... Wait, does Target let you do that? Yeah. Or are they just being flippant? No, they let you. But I have only seen white people unmasked. So I'm continuing to mask in solidarity to you know, not be a Republican. And as a worker, solidarity. I'm going to cut all of this. Don't cut this. <laughs> we, are not, we, we are not going to virtue signal masks on this I'm not podcast. virtue signaling. A lot of people are still unvaccinated. Even if 70% have one dose, that means 30% have no dose. Okay, these are the same people who couldn't get the mask over their nose a couple months ago. So, it's whatever. I mean, we need to protect our unvaccinated neighbors as we move through this panini They press. need to wear the mask over their nose. Well, they, they will, but we also need to protect them. Moving on. I think that's all the New York news we have for today. Yeah, no one wants to hear more about the mayoral election than they already have. So I'm sorry, I'm auditioning for my spot on NPR's Brian Lair show. It's actually going to be rebranded. Hi, this is Brian Lair. This is the Brenna show. 
Do, do you think the Brenna Lair show? I'm gonna change my last name. You're gonna are you gonna have a Lair like to record did from? Did we you're talk about a, this? Because I was like Brian's Lair. Brian's Lair, yeah, we did talk about this okay. like over breakfast the other day. Yeah, Brian Lair better have a fucking. He lair. better have a fucking Lair that he records Brian Lair from. from and his, it, and his it, Lair Lair. And it should just have a sign that says Brian's Lair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just am wishing that into existence brian lair i'm very sorry we love you so much we do love you you're my father (laughs) (laughs) okay okay all right moving on where is our mystery murder missing person where's our where is it happening tonight (laughs) where is it happening um it's happening in poughkeepsie Okay, I'm ready. Well, it, it happened in Poughkeepsie. Okay, I know what case you're doing, but I don't know a lot about it, so I am ready. This is the story of Joanne Nichols. On December 26th, 1985, James L. Nichols Jr. reported his wife, Joanne, missing from their home in Poughkeepsie, New York. She had went out for an appointment at the salon three days before and did not come back. James said Joanne called on Christmas Eve, but she was terse and wouldn't tell him where she was staying. Then she hung up. Hmm. So before we go past this initial event, the event of the disappearance, uh, let's talk about Joanne. Okay. Uh, She was 55 when this happened, and... She was a first grade teacher at Gayhead Elementary School. Oh my God. Yep. Gayhead. Gayhead. Gayhead Elementary School in we're, Hope EJ. We're not homophobic, but the entirety of elementary school children in Dutchess County are. Yeah, that is true. Because if you went to Gayhead. You were a Gayhead. Instantly canceled. Yep. I <laughs> uh, remember I went to private school for a hot second, and so our bus was like shared with other school buses. Um, anyway, but we picked up a couple kids from Gayhead and it was like, he, <laughs> That's, I mean, this is, this is a serious case. We can't make the Gayhead jokes. I won't anymore. So she worked there? She worked in Gayhead. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. No more Gay. <laughs> no more Gayhead. Although it is Gay Pride Month. So I guess you can Happy have all the Gayhead Pride you want. Happy Pride Month, Gayhead Elementary gayhead, School. Wow. All right, we are canceled. We are canceled, and we have the maturity of like collectively a six-year-old. So, sorry about that. Um, But yeah, she was a first-grade teacher at Gayhead Elementary School in Hopi J, Mm -hmm. uh, Hopewell Junction. For those who are not in the know, Mm -hmm. this is Dutchess County, by the way. Joanne was a well-liked person. She was a kind woman from Louisiana. Um, She grew up. On her family's peach plantation. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. She loved books. She loved doing the, you know, the work of the the plantation and the farm, loved her family, loved kids, obviously, because she was a first grade teacher. Mm -hmm. You know, it it takes uh, more than a little effort to teach kids that young, I think. I had a first grade teacher who definitely hated kids. But in general, I think you're right. How, How old is a first grader? about six like six seven yeah okay. no six yeah yeah okay that's what i thought yeah just making sure i guess for for the international listeners it helps to define yeah. that age group that's true because the school system is different in new york state you have to start kindergarten if you turn five by december 1st that's right so that's you're right. either four or five starting kindergarten then you'd be five or six starting first grade joanne met James, her husband, during her attendance at the University of Mississippi. Hmm. She was earning her master's, and he was teaching and also working for IBM. They married rather quickly and moved to Poughkeepsie, where IBM operated a manufacturing facility and business campus. Mm-hmm. So uh, James James's job moved them to Poughkeepsie. Mm-hmm. Now, for those of you that don't know, that Poughkeepsie was actually was and still is home to one of IBM's largest and most important facilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it isn't just a uh, manufacturing facility. It also has a lot of their like 
R&D stuff and yeah. they have a whole business campus attached to it. It's, mm-hmm. it's actually a very big deal. And they actually made an entirely new school district when IBM started building this because they wanted to, as an incentive, offer people moving you know, with their jobs to Poughkeepsie, something better than the city of Poughkeepsie school district. PK. <laughs> yeah. Brenda, um, you know about this, don't you? Yeah. No, I was going to say the, uh, the founding of the IBM campus in Poughkeepsie radically refigured the city of Poughkeepsie. A lot of people would say for the worse. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it segregated it in the way that you spoke about and focused a lot of the businesses on the outskirts of the city, which further impoverished the once vibrant inner city. Yeah, so the IBM campus, uh, both good and bad, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, IBMers, as they're called, as it se- sounds like James was had a very well-known and respected role in the community. It was a rather prestigious job to have and uh, definitely came with more than a little bit of social standing and, and clout. Mm-hmm. So both, both James and Joanne were religious, but Joanne was really like very religious. I mean, she was Southern Baptist, mm-hmm. of course, but they both went to church um, I guess, I guess, as one did back in the day, people definitely like probably went to church more in the like 1985 than they do now. Yeah, in that area, uh, I would say that there's still like probably a fair amount of like generalized religious attendance in in Poughkeepsie, Dutchess County, County sure. in general. Yeah, there's a lot of different denominations and some pretty hardline evangelical churches in the area as well. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. And um, uh, Joanne actually founded her own uh, Southern Baptist church. Oh, wow. Uh, it, it didn't last very long, unfortunately, but she did try. Hmm. And um, she did have a few friends and a few, I guess, friends from back home and family members and stuff uh, came in to help her with that. Hmm. So her, her friends and family described her as a uh, true Southern Baptist girl, no drinking, no makeup, no smoking. The strongest drink she ever had was probably iced tea, was uh, the best oh quote. Yeah. I think that was the most fitting description. Girl's got to live a little. <laughs> well, I suppose. I mean, it sounds like she did. She lived plenty, like her version of, of yeah. life anyway. Yeah, you're right. Which is... I mean, nothing wrong with being a first grade teacher and Jesus, I guess. Yeah. I mean, there's could, could be vibe. worse things. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, her friends and her family were, of, of course, dubious about the circumstances of her disappearance. Just a few days before Christmas, the terse phone call, a, a little strange. Mm-hmm. Her husband just seemed blasé about it. After reporting his wife missing... He gave an interview to the Pojo (laughs) and calmly described the call. This is verbatim from James. There's no reason to assume she's dead or alive, joined a group, or run off with some other men. There are a thousand possibilities. The pain is in not knowing. So the police and... Really, everyone involved thought this was a little, a little bit of a weird comment, and weren't quite on board with just his demeanor. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, that you know what people think someone should react like is not a valid metric, but you know, in this case, I think it is important to to note that he, you know, was not really showing any emotion mm-hmm. about it and just seemed a little off. How long had they been married at this point? Oh, that's that's a good question, actually. Well, they were they did meet when she was pursuing a master's degree, so she would have been just a little bit older mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. So, let's say she was twenty five, twenty six. So mm-hmm. that's that's a good yeah, 20, 20, 25 years. years. Yeah. So quite quite okay. a long time. So it's not like yeah, that's not like just a casual relationship obviously i mean no. they've been married a long time no they are they didn't have any kids together 
It was just the two of them. They did. They did have okay. a child, and the he factors in. Okay. We're we're gonna get there. Okay. But yeah, I would say, if anyone I knew who had been married for that long, wife went missing, and they were just like, yeah. I'm sure she's fine. I think that would be suspicious. Yeah. And, you know, I I make sure to say this in every instance when we say, oh, someone's reaction was a little off. Like, you don't know how you're going to react to trauma. It is not for the layperson to judge others in their trauma response because everyone is different. Mm -hmm. Leave that to the experts who kind of still don't even really know so well sometimes. And by experts, I mean not the police, because they're known to prey on people who don't show what they think is the right emotion mm-hmm. for the context. Right. The other thing that rustled some people is that uh, the police did not find any evidence of the phone call. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. And this was right. The phone call was the day she went missing. No. No, the phone call was several days after. Oh, several days after. Okay. Yes. Um, the phone call was on the 26th, I believe. Got it. No. No, it wasn't. It was on Christmas Eve. Right. Uh, the, on the 26th is when James made the call to report her missing. So what was the day she went to the salon? The 21st. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. So it was the 21st, several days passed, she called on Christmas Eve, and then he called on the, on the 26th. Mm-hmm. But there was no record that there was no record she of, had called on Christmas Eve. Right, there was no record that she had called on Christmas Eve, hmm. which is just sus. Mm-hmm. You know, there, generally there is a record of the call. And I mean, it's 1985. Right, it's a it's a landline. It's, it would, if she had called, she would be calling from someone else's landline, most likely, mm-hmm. you know. Or even he, a payphone, but still, it would right. show up on, yeah. It would show up. Yeah. And, you know, while he worked for IBM, was a tech-savvy guy, and collected a lot of tech, there is no records or any evidence that either of them had, like, a a mobile phone or what passed for one at the time. Yeah. That would be rare. Yeah. It would be rare, you know, in a car, Mm -hmm. let alone out and about. Mm -hmm. So the police took this very seriously Mm -hmm. and started a not small investigation. Mm -hmm. They opened this immediately as a missing persons case and got to work. Mm Mm-hmm. The police walked around the Nichols' home, including the basement, and didn't see anything unusual. They checked the property, they walked up and down the road, they searched the woods, they searched several small bodies of water that are immediately uh, surrounding the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I think they searched the creek, too, mm-hmm. by the airport, mm-hmm. uh, which is not very far away. We'll, we'll uh, make a map for you guys mm-hmm. to understand. Did she have a car? She did have a car. She did have a car. And guess what? Something sus happened with that. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, her car was initially missing. Uh-huh. And um, a few days into the investigation, or perhaps the next day, it depends mm-hmm. on which, which source, but uh, apparently the police came you know, the next day or in the next several days to uh, talk to to James again. And they noticed his wife's car in the driveway. And they were like, um, <laughs> why is this here? Yeah. And James was like, oh, well, I, I found it in, uh, in the plaza, you know, where she was going to the salon because I went you know, I went looking mm-hmm. and so I, I got it and, uh, you know, got it detailed. I got it vacuumed out and cleaned up and oh, just brought sir. it right home. Sir. Yeah. Yep. And he had keys or the keys were in the car. What's the deal with that? I assume that he had the other set of keys. And where was this plaza in relation to their house? It's never, it's never spoken of because okay. 
it she never went there oh, okay yeah uh, i mean if if i was going to assume something i would say uh it would have to be one of the older plazas right on route nine mm-hmm. in their immediate vicinity or perhaps a mile away or something. I mean, there's tons. That's why I'm there's asking. There's tons. And I mean, <laughs> you know, back in back in the 80s, it prob- it's not quite as built up as it yeah. is now, but I don't think she would have to drive more than 10 minutes to no. her appointment. Probably not no. even, even that. Even if she was going into, like, the city of Poughkeepsie proper, it wouldn't take mm-hmm. that long. No. So, yeah, that's that's uh, a little suspect, isn't it? It's Why a little weird. Why are people always getting their cars fucking cleaned and detailed after they do shit? That's sketchy. Yes. Yeah, it's basically getting... Cleaning your car is sketchy. Mm-hmm. Like, if I was going to murder somebody, instead of cleaning, I would just dirty it with so much other stuff that they wouldn't find what's in there. Nobody steal my trick. Yeah, no one's going to steal your don't clean your car trick. Don't clean your car. (laughs) Well, see, you know what? If I did that, everyone would be like, that's suspicious. That's That's weird. weird. Because I would never leave something dirty. Right. Right. Anyway. But yeah, anyway, uh, when James was formally interviewed, which I, I think probably happened more than once, I think the police were probably with him for several days. Uh, he told police that Joanne had been depressed over the drowning of their only son, <gasps> James Nichols III. Oh, no. He had died three years earlier in a boating accident on the Mississippi. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's horrible. How mm-hmm. old was he? Like- he was 24, I think. Oh, my God. Yeah. Not a great time. No. I mean, if you're going to be depressed about anything, that seems like a good reason. Yeah. Not that you need a good reason to be depressed. <laughs> Obviously, true. you don't. I would, yeah. But like, Thanks. you know, <laughs> no one's going to question that uh, explanation. Right. And they don't, really. Mm-hmm. While examining the computers at home, James had several. He worked for IBM. He had like three computers, mm-hmm. which was rare mm-hmm. for yeah. people of that time. I mean, it was rare to have one computer in the home. Mm-hmm. And he had to put the phone on the hook to make sure it could dial up. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, the internet... I mean, yeah, it it kind of existed, but... Oh, fuck. Not quite like that. I'm such a fucking millennial. I forgot yeah. that the internet didn't exist. <laughs> it it did, but like... Like not for in military a house. Ac- yeah. Uh, yeah, not... not the way you think. Well, fuck no, it wasn't even AOL life. time yet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, on one of the computers, detectives found either several writings or one note. Uh, again, it depends on on which source, mm-hmm. uh, which were apparently written by Joanne that that may have implied that she felt suicidal mm-hmm. or felt depressed. And how could they tell who wrote them? They can't. Mm-hmm. The notes were just on the computer. Um, it's probably not a word processor, yeah. No, probably in an, you know, for what would amount to a desktop back then, I guess, like an easily accessible location right. for them to find. No one, no one really believes that she wrote them. And I don't think. But yeah, so there's really no way to tell who wrote those notes. Um, it's 1985. The police are not doing like digital forensics on yeah. this computer to somehow figure that out. I was going to ask if they did any like linguistic analysis. No. But they didn't have like separate logins on the desktop. No, there's. This is speculation, but I very much doubt it. James was the computer man. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure his wife, like, played on the computers sometimes, but I I don't think she... Probably not. I mean, she's a teacher, so she has to know at least very minimally how to use... I mean, I'm sure she knew how to use a computer because of her husband, but I, yeah, I just don't... True. I doubt that it... But you didn't need to know that much about computers to write a note on it. Right, no. And, and I, so there's nothing that really leads you to who wrote it. No, and there's no 
mention of, uh, you know, past entries. It's not like she was keeping a diary mm-hmm. on there from the information that we have. Mm-hmm. The police are a little bit too tight-lipped for uh, for my liking mm-hmm. on this. Well, for everyone's liking, really. Mm-hmm. So we don't know if she kept a diary. But, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, honestly, if she kept a diary, it, she probably wrote it. Like, yeah, she probably by had hand. A, by hand. That's she what probably I was thinking. I mean, same if you're going to write a suicide note or write down your feelings. Well, if you computer. weren't regularly writing it on the computer, why would you write it on the computer unless you're trying to cover the fact that it's not you because it's a handwriting issue. Right, right. So that checks out in terms of pointing back to the husband, which I feel like is where we're going here. This is exactly where we're going. Mm -hmm. So as I was saying before, the police did start a, you know, supposedly real missing persons investigation, Mm -hmm. which included a walkthrough of the home. As I said, several outdoor locations and at one point they even had psychics consulting oh. with them and none of this went anywhere hmm. joanne was never found and the case went cold yikes yeah the police were not forthcoming about the investigation they did say that the case did remain open and was reviewed annually Mm -hmm. But there was no evidence, no weapon, no body, nothing. Mm -hmm. And there was even a private investigator hired to help with this. And after years of that and other cold case work by the police, James Nichols was never even publicly named a person of interest or a suspect. The police never served him with a search warrant. They never searched their home. They walked through it. Uh-huh. They had a little look around, maybe shine the flashlight on right. a couple things, but they did not search the Nichols home. Got it. So, yeah, that's come up in other cases. The difference between poking your head in and looking left and right and saying, oh, nothing in here versus like checking for hairs and blood stains and you know, cutting open the couch cushions and whatnot. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think a search even has to be as invasive as that Mm -hmm. to turn up the something, (laughs) something or something damning. Yeah. And this is really, this is what this case hinges on. The police did not serve a search warrant and did not fully search the home. Mm Mm-hmm. And it just stopped there. You know, it it fell from public attention. The police weren't doing anything. They didn't do anything with James. Mm -hmm. And he just went on living his life. Working at IBM? Yeah. Jeez. Yep. And, you know, when family and friends asked about Joanne, he said that uh, she had run away or killed herself. Mm -hmm. No one believed this. Absolutely no one. So... Now let's talk a little bit about James. Mm-hmm. He was a hoarder. He oh. had strange habits and he was a fucking creep. Mm. And he had always been a creep. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just around the time of his wife's disappearance. Mm-hmm. Some noteworthy incidents were uh, James walked into his new neighbor's home to introduce himself and he didn't knock. He just walked in. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, a little while after that, a neighbor wife asked for his help with an injured squirrel. He said, I'll be right back. And he killed it with a hatchet in front of her kids. Oh. Yeah. Oh, no. While still wearing his suit jacket from work. Um, that's not normal at all. Uh, Another uh, great incident occurred when the same neighbor was painting her house Mm -hmm. uh, wearing painting clothes like cut off shorts and like a you know i'm imagining since the 80s like her husband's like worn out button down sort of like half buttoned (laughs) keep the paint off your 
tank top. Wow, uh, I love this outfit you're building for her. Yeah, I'm sure it was something like that. But the, <laughs> the important part was the cutoff shorts. Yeah. And uh, she found James standing below her, photographing her ass. No! Yep. Yep. Stupid creep. Yeah, so a real fucking creep. It's well documented that no one in the neighborhood wanted anything to do with him. Mm-hmm. Everyone thought he was weird as fuck. Mm-hmm. And... He did so much weird shit. Like, he would ride his lawnmower around with, like, stuff in a little trailer in the back just to do it. Like, he Mm. would just be weird to people. Mm -hmm. Like, he would sit in his car in the driveway for hours at a time. Oh. Yeah. Now, was he always weird or... Yes. Okay. Yeah, he was always fucking weird. not like after his son died or after... Yeah. No, he he was weird... Way before that. Okay. Basically the That's whole time. probably why Joanne needed Jesus. No, well, she had Jesus before she met him. Hmm. So let's talk a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about the house okay. now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was cluttered, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, James was a hoarder. And the basement was a full-on hoard. Mm-hmm. So was the garage. Just boxes and boxes of shit. And James' things filled most of the rest of the house. Uh, He collected guns, cameras, Civil War stuff, uh, tools, random gadgets, electronics, all manner of things. And a couple things that you shouldn't really keep, like the dead cat's body in the freezer. (gasps) No! Yes. Yes. One day, Joanne came home and went into the freezer to get something to start making for dinner and their cat who had just died was in there kitty yes yeah uh mm-hmm. and he he remained in there uh, the cat the cat's body was never taken from the freezer no 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 yeah hoarding is my worst nightmare so remember i said earlier that their son drowned yes yeah he fell off the hood of one of their amphibious cars. Amphibious cars? Yes, they had two of them. James was a collector of weird things. Is that not the same as a boat? No, it is a car that you can drive like a car, and then you can drive it straight into the fucking lake. Like and a it duck flips. boat. Like a duck boat, yes. That's horrible. It's, it's no actually cute. It's a really it's cute, cute car. It's cute when it's a duck boat. It's like, why do you need an amphibious car? I mean, no one needs an amphibious car. Yeah. It, it was from, I believe, the mid to late 50s. Oh, okay. So it was sort of an antique, sort of like a collectible item, mm-hmm. just like a, a random oddity. They had two of them. Mm-hmm. And James parked that same amphibious car that their son died on mm-hmm. right in their driveway oh joanne had to see it every day why wouldn't you just just sell it or something i don't know i wouldn't want to keep that no like they already had two of them like you yeah. could sell one i don't know that's just not not great uh, you know he showed a lot of behavior that basically outed him for having zero empathy no ability to sort of understand the feelings of others Mm -hmm. and just being an asshole Mm -hmm. really and like a collector like having to a hoarder right he he never threw out anything right after joanne's disappearance james barely left the house and he just started hoarding even more for almost 30 years no one really saw him he was occasionally seen sitting in his car in the driveway for a little bit maybe going to the store once or twice but he pretty much never left the home did he retire i have to assume that he retired and all their family was still in the south i'm not sure did they have friends and family nearby joanne had a lot of friends because she wasn't a fucking asshole and people liked her (laughs) right i don't know if james had any friends Mm. there was mention of him hanging around with one IBM guy mm-hmm. that he knew. Mm-hmm. That's that's all I could find. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the years passed and he moldered in his mm-hmm. in his home, and on 
December 27th, 2012, James Nichols was found dead of natural causes in his hoard in the home. He was 82. And it was almost 27 years to the day that he had reported his wife missing. Oh, right. Yeah. A little spooky. That's weird. Yeah. How did they... Did they find him right away? No. Uh, he was found several days after he died. I believe someone saw him, like, collapse in the driveway. Mm -hmm. He was taken via ambulance to the hospital and then brought back home. And someone tried to call him, didn't hear for a day, Mm -hmm. and then called for a wellness check. Yeah. And that's when they found him. Gotcha. Yeah. His burial home and estate were handled by the county. Mm -hmm. About six months later, a cleaning crew started working on the home. Mm -hmm. They were, they were sent by the county to uh, make the home ready for sale. That's a job. Yeah. (laughs) They waded through his house and made their way to the basement and they found a false wall. Oh, yes. Behind that false wall was a large container, a cylindrical container in the far corner. Eek. Yeah. So they were compelled to investigate this container mm-hmm. and they opened it. There were skeletal remains inside. They were wrapped in plastic and rope. Ugh. Yeah. The medical examiner determined that the remains belonged to Joanne Nichols. Oh, no. Yeah. Her cause of death was blunt force trauma <gasps> to the head. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it's kind of uh, kind of pretty obvious uh, yeah. what happened here. Yeah. He killed her. Yeah. He, he just, like, got sick of her and killed her. Yeah, it's it's possible. So there's there's a little bit of information about this and and some reasonable speculation mm-hmm. that we can go into about what happened. Mm-hmm. It's possible that Joanne was thinking of leaving James and maybe she was finally done with his shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, several of her friends came forward and said that she had told them on a few occasions. No, no, mind you, she didn't speak about this to many people mm-hmm. or very often. Mm-hmm. Just a select few people. Occasionally, when I assume things were getting really bad for her, mm-hmm. she confided in people. And she said, or rather, her friends said that she told them that she was getting tired of James and his strangeness and his you know, coldness and Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, unwillingness to be, you know, a a better husband, I guess. Mm -hmm. Less of a weirdo and less of an asshole. Yeah. And she was getting annoyed with the hoarding. And I guess she didn't really have a reason to stay with James, maybe from her perspective, because her son was gone. Mm -hmm. And it's possible that she maybe was dealing with James's shit just so that her son didn't have to see his parents divorced. Mm -hmm. You know, she was, you know, a Christian lady, Southern Baptist. Mm -hmm. I mean, I assume believed in marriage Mm -hmm. and maybe just felt that, you know, you get married and that's it. Mm -hmm. And a few, a few of her friends also backed this up Mm -hmm. saying that she was not the type to really complain that much. You know, this was like wifely duties her, she made her choice. They were married. Mm-hmm. You don't, un, you don't unmarry. Yeah. You don't divorce. You are married, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So she was trying to, you know, uphold her values, I guess, and she died because of it. Wow. And what is most likely to have happened, I think, is that she probably said, "If you." don't shape up, I'm going to leave or something like that. Or maybe even made a move to say, look, I'm going to like my sister's house, my mom's house. I don't know what, wherever it is, the person chooses to go. And he wasn't having it. 
Hmm. And it's very likely that she never left the house that day, that he just fucking smashed her skull in and put her downstairs. And she was there for 27 years? 27 years. I mean, why didn't the police smell something when they came in? I don't know. That's unless he like put her in some crazy chemical, which like where would he get it? I mean, it's just in a barrel. Well, behind the wall. I mean, he was a smart guy who worked at IBM. I'm sure that he could get something. And I mean, that's, you know, you don't have to work at a place like IBM to get a hold of lie or something similar to, uh, you know, sort of Mm -hmm. compose, rather decompose the body faster, like Mm -hmm. shrivel it up while preventing the smell. So I'm sure he employed some kind of countermeasures for that. Or I suppose it's possible she wasn't in the home for a while. She might have been somewhere else. Mm. But I don't, I, I don't think that's too, too likely because he would have had to transport her. Mm-hmm. That seems pretty messy. You know, did he transport her in, in her, her own, own car? car? Yeah. Possibly. That's a lot of work, though. Mm-hmm. Moving a body is risky. Yeah. You know, it just because you vacuumed a car out doesn't mean you got all of the evidence mm-hmm. out of it. Uh, you know, just because you wrap someone g- well enough or so you think doesn't mean they aren't going to like leak in your car. Like, leak. you know, you don't just put a dead body in a car and then it's just you vacuum it and it's fine. That's right. generally not how that works. Well, and he seems like a guy who was most comfortable by himself at home. Right. So it seems likely that if he was going to do this, he felt comfortable surrounded by all his shit in his home. Right. And just taking care of it that way. Right. I mean, I was going to say the other thing is, you know, this is the last era really where he could have bought something like lie, like you mentioned, and there would not be a trace. Like he probably didn't buy something with a credit card. He didn't google something like he didn't there wouldn't be any trace that he went looking for a specific thing necessarily the way that there is now right all he would have had to do is go to a place and pay cash yeah cameras weren't really a thing there wouldn't necessarily be a video of him at Mm -hmm. ace hardware or you know the home depot or whatever the fuck buying Mm -hmm. whatever it was Mm -hmm. and you know even if there was there's a really good chance the cops wouldn't have, have looked, looked for it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Considering they never legally searched his home. Crazy. I, I have to think that if they did what they were supposed to do and thoroughly investigated James mm-hmm. to, you know, as they say, with the intent of ruling him out as a suspect, they probably would have found Joanne. Mm-hmm. Now... Tell me again, what police department headed this investigation? Town of Poughkeepsie. Yeah. I'm not sure, but it also might have been different back then. Yeah, it was probably different back then. I mean, now that's Wappingers, which to me, like, the most ineffective cops in all of Dutchess County are WAP cops, so that would make sense, but... Yeah, that's true. WAP cops (laughs) are big, big pieces of shit. But, I mean, this, this is known as a Poughkeepsie case. Because I, I just recall the, the reason I knew about this case was when they were finally cleaning it out, I drove past it a few times. There was a big dumpster, you know, in the driveway. And it was just kind of rumbles um, in the area that that's what had happened. Oh, yeah. I remember, I remember this, too. Yeah. This road was, like, heavily traveled by a lot of people, yep. our, ourselves included. Mm-hmm. And, you know... We were both in the area at the time. It, you were in New Paltz at the time, yeah. right? And I guess so was I. Yeah. So we would have been living in mm-hmm. Tilson. Sure. Yeah? Hmm. 2012? Yeah. Yeah, and they probably weren't cleaning up till 2013. Yeah, they were cleaning up in June of 2013, mm-hmm. I believe. But my family all still lived in the city of Poughkeepsie at that time. Mm-hmm. My sister's dance studio is around the corner from that house. Right. It's the mall. Sketchy. The mall is the mall is literally the right there. House. Yeah. The peach wave that Devin works at is across the street from that house. So the yeah. Raymore and Flanagan. The Raymore and Flanagan, where Nanny and Poppy got those couches. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a uh, really way too close to everyone in Dutchess County's uh, safe zone, which is the mall and Route Nine. That's where Dutchess County 
people go to feel safe. It's the artery. It's the artery. So, I mean, partially, I'm not surprised the cops didn't find anything just because it's the same thing with a lot of crimes in like smaller towns where they don't usually have these kind of crazy weird cases and this guy's white like an IBM or like middle class like they're not gonna heavily they're not gonna investigate, investigate him really him, they're yeah. gonna take his word for it and exactly. that's pretty much what they did exactly because he matches you know it reflect it reflects the cops back to themselves basically yes they they imagine themselves in that situation rather than like a shooting in the city yeah so I'm not surprised but also the fact that she was in that house for nearly 30 years is just so chilling. Yeah, he he lived with her for way, way too long. I... Yeah, and uh, remember the remember the cat in the freezer? Yeah. They also found their two golden retrievers in <gasps> the freezer. Now, how do you even fit them in the freezer, first of all? Was it a deep chest freezer? Maybe, probably. Oh, uh, yeah. I was thinking that when you said the cat because I did know that she was eventually found in the house, and I was thinking like he just wants to keep things close to him. Like, yes, it's he does. hoarding psychology, it's hoarding. but with this like macabre murder, yes, <laughs> tinge to it. It did she did they bury her? Yeah, she was buried uh, back home in Louisiana. Oh, good. Not yeah. not next to him. No, I was worried. <laughs> No, okay. uh, I have to assume, I mean, I didn't look it up because he's a piece of shit and I don't care, but I have to assume that he was buried somewhere in Poughkeepsie just because, yeah. the, I mean, the county took care of his funeral and estate, mm-hmm. so yep. it would have to be... Poughkeepsie Rural Cemetery, probably. Probably, yeah. Fun. Yeah, so that's just, you know, that's one of those, you know, there's no, nothing nothing even remotely good came out of this like there was no even you know oh well justice ish Mm -mm. type ending nobody who is a piece of shit got what they deserve he got away with it he got away with it he he He, died in peace yeah he died in peace among his fucking horde and he got away with killing his wife. And it's just so dark, too, like them losing their son and just... That's very sad. Yeah. Living in that grief. And then, you know, I mean... And then, you put, and then he brought the car back and put it right there. Yeah. It's like, really, dude? And just, I mean, thinking about Joanne living in that situation, dealing with the grief of losing her son. Her husband's already kind of an ass. But, you know, I have some sympathy for, like, as much as hoarding is so scary to me. Like, it is a mental illness, and it's often a reaction to things like grief. But, you know, you said he had a lot of these traits already, so... He was already a hoarder, yeah. So, I don't know. But, I, you know, I could have some sympathy for, like, you have that, and you can't really control it. But it seems like she was just so stuck in it, and he just had this, like, reign over all of them. He really did, and yeah. And this darkness that just took over the family, the home, like, mm. ugh. Yeah, no, he was, uh, you know, a, a force of mm-hmm. s- something. Do you have a picture of him? Yeah, yeah, I do. Ugh. He's, he looks like a bastard, oh right? Oh my god, he looks like a toad. Yeah, he really, he really does. Oh, no. Tell us what you're looking at. Okay, <laughs> it's kind of comical if you didn't know what he did. Um, it's very much like a man's glamour shot from the 80s, like like a, a, glam- a studio portrait. A studio portrait that a man would get for like his business. He's wearing like a suit, but it's like a tweed jacket. Very much like a little bit reminiscent of what my grandfather dressed like in the 80s. And the, gla- the big like thick uh, black rimmed glasses. But, yeah, he's just got this really wide face, kind of already wrinkled and dimpled, and he's just glaring at the camera and, you know, this comb over. Like, so he's very polished in the portrait, but if you just are looking at his face, you can imagine him, you know, amongst the garbage in his home just festering. Yeah, he he looks like he festers yeah. in things. 
Ugh. Yeah, um, gross. Now I know uh, you mentioned the her cause of death was blunt force trauma. Do they have any idea what the weapon was? Or did they find anything that they thought was the weapon, or they just didn't even bother looking because it had been so long? I mean, as far as I know, they never found a weapon or anything that would overcome their, you know, mm-hmm. sort of like bias, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, something, anything that would compel them to pursue this like criminally. Yeah. They didn't find anything. Because I kind of wonder, I mean, you said he had a lot. He... But they, they, they didn't search. They right. didn't have a search warrant for the house. So. Right. You know, this guy is a hoarder, Mm -hmm. was a hoarder. I feel like maybe he kept the murder weapon. I'm sure he did. And it just got dumped into that... Into the hoard. Into that garbage can. They probably would have found it if they had done their jobs. No, I was thinking because you mentioned he collected guns. Yeah. And it's interesting that he didn't shoot her. So I almost wonder if it wasn't very premeditated, like... I'm sure he had fantasized about killing his wife for a long time, but it wasn't like highly planned out. It just reached a point where he said enough and he didn't even have time to grab a gun and just grabbed whatever object and beat her. Or he was just worried about someone hearing the gunshot would be the other thing. I mean, but it ballistics, is interesting. ballistics evidence would have outed him if he had used one of his own guns. That's so true too. That's, I mean, it would have outed him if he had purchased a gun. And it, I mean, again, looking at him, he looks like someone who enjoys beating people, especially his wife. I mean, what he looks like is someone who would get way too angry about something. Yeah. Like pick something up off of the table and just in one quick and savage hit, just cave her head in, which is, I think is probably what happened. He probably picked up something heavy. Whatever was closest, maybe an ashtray, mm-hmm. a vase. Yeah. I don't know anything. I just lamp, fucking yeah. brained her with it. Ugh. Okay, we have to put this picture of the house on our Instagram, the one in the New York Times article on this yeah. case. Mm-hmm. It is so dark. Um, if you're listening to this, go ahead to our Instagram or our website to take a look at this picture of the house. I mean, the photographer did a great job capturing the darkness that engulfed it. And it just looks like a house of horrors, which it was. Yes, it was. Yeah, that, I'm not sure if there's anything else uh, left to speculate about. I mean, seems, seems like he did it. And he got away with it, and he died in a little bit of a, you know, spooky way. Oh, you He died right on time, in a way. Right, right. You left out some details here. What do you mean? Um, he uh, he said some racist comments about President Obama. Oh, yeah, he did. He went to IHOP? I mean, yeah, other people, people go to IHOP. I didn't. I didn't think that was the, those were the <laughs> things that stood out about James. I'm sorry, I guess I just like the deets. I mean, if you want to go into more stuff that I left out, I did intentionally leave out that he, like, had a girlfriend (gasps) after uh, he killed his wife. Oh. I mean, just because there's not a whole lot of information, you know, like, that person was not around when he died. You know, there is no information about how long that person was around. Mm -hmm. He was, he never remarried. There was no, no evidence of, like, a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. I don't. But do you think, think she knew? I don't know. I mean, did he? She go to the house? Probably not. Hmm. Oh, Joanne looks so nice. Yeah. Well, she was. Oh, she's got like this teacher portrait. We'll put this up as well. Yeah. And she just looks like the nicest teacher. Mm-hmm. Just big, big old smile, kind eyes, just like you know. Middle-aged teacher hair. <laughs> she mm-hmm. just looks like a mm-hmm. nice sweetie. Yeah. That sucks. Mm-hmm. Sad. Sad and disturbing. Because yep. we cover disturbing cases on this podcast. 
And that is New York State of Crime. Um, no. <laughs> I thought that's where you were going. Uh, I didn't read <laughs> any sources. Oh, we sorry. didn't say how people can contact us oh, you're right. and either say very nice things or tell us that we're dumb. Okay, let's start over. We didn't say the Instagram. Mm. We didn't do any of this. You're just like, okay, I hate you. I want to be done with this podcast. No, Bye. I just, I just thought that's what you were doing. I love New okay. York. Yes. So this we, is so exciting. Yes, we do cover the disturbing cases on this podcast. Yeah. So uh, let me just go through my sources because I depended really heavily on the New York times yep. for a lot of this information. So I want to do some really specific shout outs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there were several articles that I used. Uh, one of them was answer to 1985 disappearance is found in Holmes wall. Not a great title, mm-hmm. uh, but Mark Santora wrote a nice article that told me plenty of good things. Thanks Mark. The more extensive article that I found to be uh, quite helpful in a cluttered home, a dark secret, three decades old. Mm-hmm. Slightly better title. Yeah. Not bad. Definitely uh, pulls me in. Definitely pulls me in. Yeah. It's by Vivian Yee. There was another article from the wheels section of the New York Times. It's the, the uh, auto section. Oh. Yeah. Uh, about the Amphicar. Oh. Yeah. And this is by Nick Kursiewski. I hope that I'm saying that right, Nick. Sorry. Kashkushko. Kashku, yeah, could <laughs> say it again. Kashkushko. Thank you. I can never say it. Also, special shout out to findagrave.com mm. for some of the pictures and the uh, burial information mm-hmm. for Joanne and her husband, mm-hmm. James. Findagrave.com is very useful. Yeah. And also HudsonValleyMag.com, HVMag.com, mm-hmm. also had uh, an article about this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a, it's a stub, but still. Yeah. Let's let's just shout out HVMag.com for fun. Great job. Hudson Valley. Wow. Yeah. So if you have thoughts on this case, you can let us know on our Instagram, where you can also see those photos we talked about. And our Instagram is New York State of Crime on Instagram. If your thoughts cannot be contained in a Instagram comment or DM, you can send us a strongly worded email. Yeah, we do love a strongly worded email, which may be positive or negative. It's up to you, but make it strongly worded. Mm-hmm. Our email is newyorkstateofcrime at gmail.com. And if you want to find out all the sources for this episode, look at pictures, or find out about all the other cases we've covered, you can visit our website. New York State of Crime Podcast.com. Yeah, it is. It is podcast. No, I know, but then what happens? <laughs> oh, then what happens? Then we say, say something funny and then say bye. Okay. And then the music goes. That's usually okay. what happens. Okay, wait. I just found the house on Zillow. <laughs> okay, yeah. Tell us about the house on Zillow, please. Okay, so after they cleaned out the house, it looks like they kind of redid parts of it. Um, Like the outside looks different, but frighteningly, if you search for the house on realtor.com, there are pictures of the basement and I can't imagine they changed that that much. Oh, hell no. And it was sold in 2015 for $185,500 after being listed, I assume by the city for $209,000. Wow. I, you couldn't pay me to live here. <laughs> no. No. And uh, it is a 12603 zip code. So that is um, town of Poughkeepsie. So it may, it may have been town of Poughkeepsie police who yeah. investigated. Yeah. I, I can't think that the, the city line fluctuated that much between 85 and no. now. And that so. checks out for an IBM. That's an IBM zip code. Truth. Yeah. That's okay. in Arlington. Well, actually it's not, but it's a. Wop, wop. Yeah, oh my god. Not the WAP cops, though. The WAP cop. Yeah, we'll we'll show you these Zillow pictures. <laughs> I mean, shit, we'll post the whole listing. Who cares? Uh, if you live at 720 Vassar Road, send us a DM. Yeah, if you... Tell us if it's fucking haunted. If you live anywhere on Vassar Road, tell us, because maybe 
you know about this. Yeah. This is a three-bedroom, one-and-a-half bath, 1,344-square-foot home on a 0.45-acre lot in beautiful Poughkeepsie, New York. Contact your realtor and make sure you bring a psychic and maybe an exorcism. <laughs> okay. This is New York State of Crime. Bye. Bye.